In part two of our series on Aleister Crowley, we'll continue to learn about his religion, the Lemma. We'll also get introduced to his order, where he would educate others on the Thelema, and meet the man that would become his most loyal follower. We'll also continue to follow Crowley on his world travels, learn the interesting story of Lamb, and close the book on Aleister Crowley's life. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If part one of this narrative left you wanting more, stick around. Just like Mike has done for half the ladies in Ohio, tonight we're going to bring this thing to its stunning climax. This is Necronomapod. The pentagram dedicated to Henry Foreman. In the years of the primal force and the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him in hollow skin from the heart of an holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, and man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the fire. Deep mouth from their thrones, deep seated, the choirs of the eons declare the last of the demons defeated. So for everyone keeping track at home, the spider kill count in Dave's house is now up to two. You might have an issue here. You have to deal with it. Some some bullshit. My fucking exterminator is going to hear about this. Exact same spot as last time, too. Yep. They're attacking me. I'm going to have nightmares now. At least they're in your garage, though, right? Yeah. They haven't infiltrated the home, the interior of the home yet. It's going to be like creep show with the cockroach guy, and you're going to find me dead. And cockroach, uh, wolf spiders (laughs) pouring out of my fucking mouth. terrifying <laughs> can we at least do a show on it do we have your permission oh yeah of course <laughs> all right i'm all about the show can you imagine the instagram photo for that like we post like a picture of dave <laughs> sat with his mouth and the spiders get a ton of likes <laughs> the best part was we were uh, uh i got to dave's house first and we were upstairs and ian just like walks in from your garage and goes uh hey mike <laughs> there's another spider out here if you want to come get it <laughs> I sprung into action and took care of that. You did your duty. Yeah. He is no more. I'll fight them all if they want. We just got to find where they're coming from. We appreciate that because we don't want to do it. There's somewhere. That's the same spot. There's something over there. I don't know. Maybe let the experts handle it. I'll end up fucking burning your house down or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's scary. I, I'll have a situation. I, the burbs is on Peacock. So I just watched it the other day. I'll have a situation <laughs> where I end up getting myself like stuck in your basement and an explosion coming and I got to get the fuck out. Clopex are home. Yeah. Anyways, also update for those of you who are interested. The Burbs is on Peacock, so you can go check that out if you have a subscription to Peacock. If you have the premium subscription, there's only minimal ads, still ads, but minimal. I think one minute worth of ads in the whole movie. Not bad. That's not terrible, I guess. Four little 15-second breaks. That's all right. I'll take that for a two-hour movie. Yeah. Anyways, four days until uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm premiere season 11. Man, that's going to be something. Ian, what are your thoughts? You've, you've binged to catch up, right? Yep. Yeah. All caught up. <laughs> Watched all, would you just say? How many seasons? <laughs> say it's 11th. Yeah, 11th is starting next week. <clears throat> Watched all Sunday. 10. Saturday, Sunday, something like that. I think it's Sunday. That's when it usually is. That's going to be great. So anyways, that's what we got going on. I don't know. Halloween's coming up. It's a good holiday. Next week, we return to, uh, what was it, our second episode ever? Art Bell? Third uh, episode? No, Betty and Barney Hill, second. 
Art Bell was third. I believe so. All right. And then Chinese Ghost Marriages was fourth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was my favorite opening ever. And it was the fourth show. And I could never repeat that glory. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. If you like, what is it? If you like your women, like you like your garden full of worms and ready to be plowed, yeah. stick around. <laughs> that Inspired. Yeah. It's been downhill ever since. Yeah. <laughs> you can't match that. It's not possible. Yeah. All right. Back to Crowley. So where we left off on part one, Alistair Crowley had been on his honeymoon with his wife, Rose, and they were staying in an apartment in Cairo, Egypt where Crowley was attempting to evoke Egyptian spirits. An entity named Iowas spoke to Crowley for three days, and everything Iowas said would become the book of law. At the time, Crowley didn't know what to do with the information Iowas had given him, so he put it away and moved on with life. Excuse me, Ian. Before I forget, I was informed by several sources that you indeed made up a word last week. Did I? Interpretate. Hmm. I don't believe that's a word. I saw people. Uh, Ian said interpretate. I uh, I must have been sleeping when you said interpretate. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no one caught me on that one. I did not catch that. So I just like to acknowledge that. All right. Well, you uh, created a new entry in the dictionary last week with interpretate. That, that's all you can carry on. Ian's like, feeling pretty good last week. It took a. Ian's like, whatever, fuck off, moving on. Took an extra couple hits uh, last week. I was feeling pretty good. That's why you were interpreting, motherfucker. Interpretate. Like that could be a shirt. Interpretate. Just in the Necronompod logo, like the colors and everything. Just interpretate. <laughs> to explain. So weird. Just to explain. <laughs> Uh, let's make some money off our mistakes, right? <laughs> On July 28th, 1905, Rose gave birth to their daughter, Lilith. After this, Crowley went back to his travels, first climbing Kanchenjunga in India, which is the third highest mountain and considered to be the most dangerous to climb. He bounced around India, meeting up with Rose and his daughter in Calcutta, India. Because Crowley participated in some big game hunting while he was in India, he had a gun on him. One evening, two men attempted to mug him, and Crowley shot both of them. He didn't kill either of these guys, but he was forced to leave India. So Crowley, Rose, and Lilith decided to head to southern China. I'm not a big fan of the big game hunting. No. I don't know how you could shoot elephants and big majestic beast like that it's one thing i've stood by is uh never had jimmy john yeah you're uh you will not eat the jimmy john the owner is a big or founder is he still an owner yeah i think so big game hunter yeah as everyone knows i like animals you do like animals i do i i'll 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 interpretate that as uh as being excellent This also means <laughs> this also means you've never tasted a gargantuan. I don't even know what that is. It the morals is. quickly change when you taste a gargantuan. I do enjoy a gargantuan, and I hate myself for eating it. I know. I'm thinking about dead elephants and saw, <laughs> sawing off fucking ivory and shit. It is, meat. it is literally a sandwich of every all of their meat. Oh, okay, all of it. And I think there's a few slices of cheese, and then that's about it, right? I don't even think they do lettuce and tomato. Maybe lightly. You can't even mm, tell. Yeah. It's five inches of meat. Like me in college. 
I mean, except, it sounds except this good. is awesome. <laughs> it sounds good. Oh, it's pretty good. Although they put all that I'm oil, bring, I get the oil. I remove the oil or got like little oil. Yeah, yeah. They, they could put a ton, ton, too much. I'm gonna bring you one one day, but wrap, wrap it in a subway wrapper. <laughs> yeah, hey, and then after you love it, it'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I ripped the, the mask off like Scooby Doo, and it's like Jimmy John's. Like Jared sent this from prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's still your. It's your money going to it. So I just don't want to give him my oh, money. Oh, all right. Well, so if you want to buy it for me, I'll eat it. <laughs> you'll be also. You will drink a gallon of water after you eat it because it is just. It's so salty. Mm-hmm. But it, it's Pretty it's good, tasty. Though. I do like Jimmy John's. I feel bad about it, but I like it. I mean, in all reality, probably there's a lot more things in life that I buy that uh, the owner or whoever of the company isn't a great person. Hey, but you found something and you're sticking to it. Good for you. I have a few hard and fast uh, companies I will never give money to. I have a couple other ones. I have at least I have one more that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. We have the same one. Yeah. (laughs) I should probably add Jimmy John's to my list, too, but. But you've had the gargantuan. I'm weak. (laughs) There's no goddamn food out here. So it's hard to get a good sandwich out here in the fucking suburbs. The other one you guys don't like is uh, coming here too. I will not be putting my money in that place. Which is Mm -mm. tastes even better than Jimmy John's. No. Yeah. Oh, hands down. (laughs) Hands down. It's so damn good. I've I've only had it once. And I just was like. It depends what you get from there. Anyway, so clearly you guys hate Chipotle, but that's fine. (laughs) I had Chipotle for dinner. So when they got to southern China, Crowley began smoking a lot of opium on this trip and started doing rituals to contact Iowa's again on a daily basis. After this trip, Crowley traveled to Japan, Canada, and to New York City. When he arrived in New York City, Crowley got word that his daughter Lilith had died from typhoid fever. Crowley blamed Rose for Lilith's death, saying that it was because Rose was an alcoholic and this led Crowley to have a couple affairs, but eventually reconnected with Rose and they had another daughter, Lola, who was born in 1907. You ever done an opium, Mike? I did three of them when you went to the bathroom. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. I like to do opioids. (laughs) Whenever I hear the word opium, I just picture like, those pictures of those Chinese opium dens that they used to like in the early That's what 1900s. I, think too, yeah. I picture Crowley sitting in there with the long opium pipe. <laughs> and wasting like a row day sitting away. on pillows. Yep. <laughs> exactly. That sounds great. Let's do that. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll do an opium smoke. <laughs> I prefer my opium edible though. Is that right? Yeah. Like on a, <laughs> sprinkle a little opium on a Jimmy John sandwich. <laughs> sprinkle. Yeah. Not long after, Crowley said he was contacted two more times by Iowas, once in October and once in November of 1907. Each time, Iowas gave Crowley more information, and a whole book was written on each occasion. These two books, along with the Book of Law, make up the holy books of Thelema. There were also six more books written in 1907, making it nine books in total regarding Thelema. Were there a lot of followers at this point? Was anyone reading this stuff or? I think a fair amount of people. No, because in this episode would be a cult episode. It's not, (laughs) clearly. Yeah, he didn't have the the cult. There was no cult leader stuff going on with any of these guys. Well, fine line well, we're about to religion get some, and cult. I think we're about to get to some uh, cultish activity <laughs> with uh, his follower. 
questionable activity happening. <laughs> well, I think a lot of cult activity is questionable activity. <laughs> Interesting activity. Aside from all those aeons and the three beings I was told Crowley about, there are three things that Crowley said that kind of sums up the lemma. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, meaning that adherents of the lemma should seek out and follow their true path find or determine their true will. I love that. Do what thou will quote. That's fantastic. It's one of my favorites. Why don't you get tattooed then? You know, I've thought about that. I just never got around to it because I'm uh, very lazy. When we get to our 500th episode, that's your tattoo. Okay. All right. That's a great tattoo. On your cheekbones. It's a great (laughs) (laughs) cheekbone. Why not my forehead, Mike? I was going to say that, but I feel like that'd be painful. I don't want to put you through that. (laughs) The second one is love is law love under will the nature of law of thelema is love but love itself is subsidiary to finding and manifesting one's authentic purpose or mission and the last one every man and every woman is a star implies by metaphor that persons doing their wills are like stars in the universe occupying a time and position in space yet distinctly individual and having an independent nature largely without undue conflict with other stars. I like it a lot. Yeah. And it depends on, um, not everybody interprets this stuff the same way. There's some people Mm -hmm. that say this true will, uh, in finding your true will is that you do whatever satisfies you. So if it's something real basic, you know, like eating a, a Big Mac satisfies you, mm-hmm. but also if killing someone satisfies you, then you should do that as well. Well, yeah, we part ways there when it comes into conflict with others. True will, you know, <laughs> yeah, my true will is to not have you eat me. Right, we know? can't have everybody doing their true will. That's right, like Crowley sure. initially said. Big Macs, okay. Eating me, no, <laughs> not okay with that. And we always talk about willing stuff into existence a lot of times. So let's kind of define what Crowley meant by true will. According to Crowley, every person has a true will, different from the ordinary wants and desires of the ego. True will is essentially someone's calling or purpose in life. Some later magicians have taken this to include the goal of attaining self-realization by one's own efforts without the help of God or some other divine being. And this is in line with what Crowley was writing just before 1904. Others follow Crowley's later writings that a person's will in its purest form is the same as divine will. Like once you've realized that pure will, you're in line with the divine will. I mean, we could be here all week debating that. Yeah. (laughs) I got got nowhere to be. We'll check back in a year when we've completed our thalamic study course and see how we feel then, I guess. Crowley believed that in order to discover the true will, one had to free the desires of the subconscious mind from the control of the conscious mind, especially the restrictions on sexual expression, which he associated with the power of divine creation. He identified the true will of each individual with the holy guardian angel, meaning that everyone has a being like iOS that they need to find and make contact with. And that is something that you can spend years and years and all yeah. of this 
training and uh, a lot of meditation and stuff to be able to do. But I'm going to do it this weekend. Just going to find your guardian angel. Well, me thinks it's a lot easier to find your own personal ayahuasca when you have loads of opium in your pocket. Probably makes it a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also zero chance you're having any sex, so you'll be restricted sexually. So (laughs) help you figure that out. How to break that, right? It's a good point. Who's your personal ayahuasca, Mike? Like a little Jeff Gordon hangs out in in your bedroom (laughs) shouting encouragement at you? Sure. Life's just a bunch of left turns, Mike. You can do it. (laughs) That helps when you're slightly curved to the left, too. Peroni's disease, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> no, what, no, 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 I didn't say him. Don't your put penis, that on him. Your penis is just fine, Mike. I like your curving the left. Don't put that on him. I like your banana penis, Mike. <laughs> Stare to the left. Jeff Gordon is from California, California and Indiana. He is not a hillbilly with that accent. Please do him justice. That wouldn't be that funny, then. Yeah. It's not funny at all, pal. <laughs> <laughs> By 1907, Crowley's inheritance was starting to run out, and he was looking for ways to make money. Three times in Normandy's history, they have had an Earl of Tankerville. And at the time, it was a guy named George Bennett. George Bennett did a lot of cocaine and was very paranoid that enemies were using witchcraft against him. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like to take him out of his uh, his royal seat that he had. What's that you always say, Mike? Cocaine's a hell of a drug, right? <laughs> It's true. <laughs> so Bennett hired Crowley to protect him. Uh, and Crowley's probably like, uh, yeah, of course, I'll take your money. <laughs> I can take care of that, buddy. Yeah. Cast some spells. We'll get rid of those demons right away. I'm going to need that up front. <laughs> That's right. Crowley also started to accept paid students who wanted to learn magic. Through doing this, Crowley met his most devoted follower, and one he would get very personal with, Victor Newberg. Newberg was born and raised into an upper-middle-class Jewish family. He went to school at the City of London and Trinity College, Cambridge, where he studied medieval and modern languages. Newberg was around 25 years old when he met Crowley, and like we said, he would become Crowley's most loyal follower. He had a brother, too, named Lobster. Lobster Newberg? <laughs> Delicious. I'll be here all week. He's got a break from his cruise ship. Uh, Try the veal. Newberg had traveled with Crowley a bit and learned from him. But when Newberg finished schooling at Cambridge in June of 1909, he completely committed himself to Crowley. Crowley told Newberg that he was going to go on a magical retirement, which was a 10-day period of isolation and borderline torture. At the end of those 10 days, Crowley said Newberg would be able to achieve everything Crowley had achieved in the Golden Dawn. So years of stuff within 10 days. Oh, I fast-tracked them. Yes, if this is what retirement is like, count me out. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's your idea of a... Of a leisurely retirement. It's not how I want to spend those days. <laughs> I want to be drunk by 10 a.m., playing shuffleboard by 11, and getting into fist fights over it by 1 o'clock. <laughs> Dinner at 3 and bed by 5. 
That is the life. <laughs> Sounds pretty fucking great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Newberg was made to sleep naked on a bed of gorse for a week, which gorse is an evergreen bush. It's really prickly like a pine tree. Then at night, Crowley would whip Newberg with nettles plants, which are these thorny, I don't know, the leaves on it is, are really thorny, like prickly. But Crowley was frustrated that Newberg wasn't making the progress that was expected and whipped Newberg 32 times with gorse, causing some significant bleeding. Newberg wrote in his journal, quote, Crowley is apparently a homosexual sadist. He performed the ceremony with obvious satisfaction. Well, it took a turn. Yeah, what do we what do we make of this? <laughs> Crowley just trying to get his rocks off? I think that's what a lot of this whole story is personally. Yeah. Damn. It's like a magic spells. Like everything's a euphemism for he just wanted to fuck, essentially. Crowley just wants to fuck. Why does it feel he has to mask it? Why can't he just fuck? I don't know. Maybe that's an end of this end of this show conversation. We'll we'll stay, save it. Yeah, a lot of sex magic mm-hmm. throughout this uh, this whole story. But but we talked about that last week. Like that was one of the things he was really into, right? Like just experimenting sexually. I'm not trying to justify. I'm just saying we've already touched on. Like he is obviously into that. I don't know if you should be you know abusing people over it and whipping them bloody. I just feel like a lot of this is made up scenarios in order to take it to the next level. Kind of like a fetish. Yeah. That's what I get out of a lot of this, which is fine. As long as the other person's a willing participant. I don't think Newberg completely was. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. He was willing under false pretenses, right? Like he would thought he was supposed to be learning magic. So he was like, okay, that's, I think that's a valid point. Yeah. Like laying on pricker bushes, getting whipped. Like, <laughs> sound fun. Yeah, that's not great. Aside from the physical abuse, Crowley also braided Newberg with racial slurs about Newberg being Jewish. And it's kind of like pushing Newberg to a complete breaking point. According to Newberg and Crowley, this push to the breaking point, mixed with yoga and meditation, was successful. Newberg told of very vivid out of body experiences. Um, like in the astral planes and left the 10 day experience, finding a state of being quote center. Well, all's well that ends well, I guess maybe it was helpful. Fixed him. No pain, no gain. Am I right? Newberg (laughs) (laughs) suck it up. Newberg quit your pitching. All of this took place in Scotland at Crowley's mansion. And afterwards Crowley and Newberg traveled to London By this time, Crowley had started proceedings to get divorced from Rose. He cited his own infidelity, like basically said, hey, I've cheated on you multiple times. So and uh, Rose's alcoholism and the divorce started to wind down in the fall of 1909. This had been a long process and Crowley wanted to get out of London ASAP. So he decided on North Africa and he was going to bring Newberg with him. Crowley later said he chose North Africa at random and that there was no magical reasoning behind it. When they got there, Crowley ignored recommendations to have a guide and just blew off the fact that the desert could be dangerous to someone who had never been there before. Like a pasty skin fucking guy from the UK. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
so he maybe was he had a goal to bang someone on every continent. <laughs> maybe he did. Just going back to the sex thing. Maybe that's he's just like, oh, I randomly picked this one. There are so many sexual partners that are, you know, recorded throughout history to have, you know, been involved with him, like within his diaries and stuff. Mm. We would sit here for for a whole episode going through his sexual partners. Yeah. Be like me reading a Patreon list and uh, <laughs> right. new patrons. Jesus Christ. Yep. Hour I think, and a half. Yeah, Good I, problem to have. I don't mean this telling us a bad problem. Still. I think he was in Algeria specifically. We talk about North Africa from what I yes. was reading. Which North Africa is at the top of my travel list. I want to go to Morocco. I once hung out with some Algerians in a bar in Paris. Is that right? It's a true story. Yeah. It's fun conversations. A lot of Algerians in uh, France. So he wasn't afraid of not surviving. He was more concerned about not fitting in with locals. North Africa had a large Muslim population, and Crowley thought Newberg looked too out of place, kind of like a stupid tourist and who would hurt Crowley's credibility when speaking with locals. Can I tell you, when I travel, I hate looking like a tourist. It's embarrassing. It, it's completely embarrassing, so I try to not look like a tourist the best I can. I fail every time. You know what's even <laughs> more <laughs> humiliating? Is like when you like, like I just talked about when I was, you know, you go to Paris and you're talking to Algerians and mm. uh, Parisians and they're all speaking English for you. <laughs> and you're like, Fox, yeah. we can't. Every other country knows multiple languages. And then us dumb, you know, Americans, we speak American only. That's right. That's There's true. no excuse for us not speaking multiple languages. And we're dopes. That's the excuse. So it's like, okay, I will accommodate you in my own country, dipshit. Let me speak to you in English so that you can understand. You know. I speak pig Latin. Does that count? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> you should try it. Try it. Go into a bar and uh, you know, go to Madrid and speak uh, pig Latin. See what you get. <laughs> Punched in your fucking face, probably. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So it's obnoxious. So I try to blend in, but I never do. I'm like a fucking tourist. I hate it. <laughs> like, look at this guy. He thinks he's blending <laughs> in with us. Look at him. Look at this asshole. He's probably from like Ohio or something. <laughs> it, might, it might be the, the Cleveland shirts you're wearing. <laughs> you dumb yeah. fuck. The Buckeyes hat. <laughs> so to blend in better, Crowley shaved Newberg's head, left two spots of hair at the temples, and twisted them into horns. Crowley... <laughs> <laughs> How did that go over with the locals? <laughs> Crowley later said that he transformed Newberg into, quote, a demon that I had tamed and trained to serve me as a familiar spirit. <laughs> this greatly enhanced my eminence. I picture him like fucking with like the Jersey, the New Jersey devil, uh, or the Jersey, where he's like poking him with a stick to get him all pissed off. He's like, it's the demon. See, he's all mad. It's fucking wild, man. <laughs> As the two of them made their way through the desert, Crowley decided to go back to the Anakian magic that we talked about in part one. Crowley and Newberg started evoking Anakian spirits with sex magic, as in Newberg having sex with Crowley. Yeah, let's invoke this Enochian. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to enter you with my Enochian cock and evoke some spirits. It's great. Yeah, and this was why this do you is, think Crowley was doing the entering. <laughs> why do you assume? No, Crowley was not doing the entering. Newberg was really. This is extensively written about that Crowley was like a 
uh, a power bottom, a wow. very aggressive power bottom. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Wow. See, come for the magic. Stay for Alistair Crowley's favorite sexual positions. There you go. In the middle of the desert. So dry. Yeah, like cracking and chafing. <laughs> sand. Sand, exactly. Oh, we know how Mike likes the sand. I loathe it. <laughs> Have we discussed it on this show? Yeah, we I hate sand. I hate beaches. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll go to the pool. Check you later. You get any lube? It gets everywhere. Lube sand gets everywhere. Exactly. No, the sand is the lube. Imagine that. Imagine that. Did Crowley write about that? I'd like to read that journal entry. What they used as lube or no, using just, sand as they lube. use sand. Yeah. Mm. It's probably not a pleasant afternoon. That doesn't sound great. No, none of it. Sound, yeah. I just want to stay in the house. Like, I don't want to be in the desert. I agree. Yeah. Let's living say one of those big like, tents, like in an oasis and dates and hot Arabian chicks feeding me. Still, you walk. <laughs> there's just sand <laughs> everywhere. And dates and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. Figs and dates are okay. I don't know if I can live off those. I like dates. I like right. figs. They're okay. Anyways. I need to stay in the oasis, though. I can't be trekking through the desert with no water and saying. sweating in the be sun. like it's fucking Chevy Chase in the vacation movie. When he's got like the shirt on his head. And he's falling <laughs> down the, the, the sand. I, and I can't do that. No. <laughs> so as the two of them are going through the desert, and keep in mind, there are, there is peyote involved here. Uh, things like that. Well, that makes it better. Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> the two of them recorded numerous encounters with uh, beautiful, peaceful entities as well as terrifying ones. But Crowley decided he was going to evoke and defeat the Anakian demon Koranzan. So you're telling me he's about to do battle with a demon? Yep. On December 6, 1909, Crowley and Newberg went far out into the desert until they found an area that they were happy with to perform the ritual. They drew a big circle in the sand, and then they drew a triangle across from the circle. The circle was meant to provide Crowley and Newberg protection, like they couldn't be harmed if they were inside the circle. The triangle was what Kroranzan would manifest in, and he wouldn't be able to leave the triangle as long as it wasn't broken. Crowley knew that this ritual required a blood sacrifice, so he captured three pigeons beforehand and brought them out to the desert. All three were killed, and their blood was poured at each point of the triangle. Newberg then went into the circle with a dagger that had been protected with various spells, and he swore to defend the circle no matter what even if Crowley was possessed by Koranzan and he had to kill Crowley. Shit. I think it's awesome that Crowley's like, oh no, you're gonna be the one fighting him. And <laughs> right. I, I picture Newberg like in like a wrestling singlet, like with headgear on. <laughs> He's just like, you know, waiting like to grapple with this guy, with this demon. Crowley's taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, all right, I'm going to be watching you now. You do a good job. You kick his ass. You can beat him. Worst case scenario, you get some cauliflower ear. No big deal. <laughs> You'll live. Yeah. Also, I don't care about the pigeons. I fucking hate pigeons. Sacrifice. <laughs> fucking diseased birds. I don't like birds at all. <laughs> like diseased, fearless birds. Right. Pigeons. Yeah, get rid of I don't them. give a fuck. I don't care. It's not a bird Pigeons fan. or seagulls, who are more annoying? 
I feel like seagulls, mm. you have the more, because th- they like circle, you have the threat of getting shit on. Pigeons are always just kind of fucking walking in your way. If I'm in a city, then pigeons are more annoying. If I'm at the beach, then well, that's what I'm asking seagulls though. are. Like, I don't if you put yourself in each situation, which one pisses mm. you off more? Pigeons are more directly in your way. I don't like pigeons. But like all. seagull, like you fucking pull out a sandwich. Good luck. You're going to be fighting that mm. thing. Also, it might poop on you. I'm going to go with pigeons in this scenario. Okay. You too? No, I'm pretty indifferent. Like, they don't really bother me. I Ian's just would like, never I don't, have... I don't leave my house, so I don't know what these <laughs> even look like. <laughs> if birds don't bother me. It's just, uh, like, I would never have one as a pet. They're very dirty. I don't like birds. No, thank God you. God damn it. something I'm learning about you. Oh, not a bird fan. Okay. I don't love them either. I don't hate them, but. Like, I have a bird feeder, and I like putting out a hummingbird feeder to see hummingbirds. hummingbirds. are cool. I like, yeah. And I like blue jays a lot. Yeah, I can do without them. But. You know, from inside my house, I look out the window yeah, and see yeah. them, and they're like, "All right, yeah. and go away." They serve no purpose. I follow this dude on TikTok <laughs> that has this little, little uh, hummingbird thing, and he takes it outside, and this hummingbird just comes to him like a fucking mm. pet. It makes me so happy. That, like in the middle of the day, Ian's like sitting on his couch watching hummingbird videos on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> you go on my TikTok; it's all it's almost all animals. He's doing like, "Oh, shit. look at that wood hummingbird." <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> he just hits his vape and he's just sitting there, <laughs> zenned out watching hummingbirds. Yeah, I get high and watch uh, <laughs> a panda eat you a huge carrot. Pandas. Another fun fact: Ian loves fat animals. Dude, <laughs> you show Ian a fat dog; it's his favorite dog in the world. This is true. Chonks. Yeah, <laughs> spent a lot of time watching a uh, panda eat various vegetables on <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> Time well spent, right? <laughs> and the panda watches you on TikTok trying to eat a sponge. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> like, look at that drunk. <laughs> panda's like, look at that drunk asshole. Eat a sponge. It's not even edible. <laughs> Try some shoots, pal. He was a real man. He'd eat bamboo. <laughs> so Crowley left the circle wearing his black hooded robe and sat in the middle of the triangle, then started chanting, Zaza Zazas, Nasta Nada Zazas. And then all of a sudden they heard the disembodied voice of Karanzan say, quote, Mecca like a high, Mecca Heine Ho. <laughs> That's unexpected. <laughs> Ooh, man. <laughs> I can't believe we captured that audio. Mecca like a high, Mecca Heine Ho. <laughs> All the way back from 1909. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not familiar with those. It's the second time this month there's been a Pee-wee's Playhouse <laughs> reference. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think Dave's getting a little too excited for the movie show uh, next year. Pee-wee Herman is so goddamn funny. That show is fantastic. Isn't it after he knocks over the motorcycles when he says, I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel, <laughs> <laughs> and then he heads out? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no clue that's so funny <laughs> or when he's talking for, like the, he's talking to her and, and her French boyfriend ever and he's like <laughs> <laughs> answering him in French <laughs> <laughs> that, that dude is so goddamn funny <laughs> I don't know, that's my list <laughs> you never seen Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure uh, in a word no oh my really? god no I always assumed they were just kids movies Oh my god, it's so funny! I say we let him go. 
Was it Large Marge, the yeah. truck driver? <laughs> <laughs> Did they make a bunch of those, or is it just one movie? There's two movies, and then yeah. uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Which is a show? Yeah, it was a show. Like, Lawrence Fishburne was on there, and... I watched that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real young. It's mm-hmm. very vague memories. I just remember that chair. It was like the recliner, just getting all crazy and talking and shit. And this is the wizard, Jombie. Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho. Mecca hiney ho. <laughs> right, Jombie? Is that the wizard? I think man? so, yeah. <laughs> or the wizard, whatever it was. The You're missing out, Mike. Okay. Man. It's on the list. So after Crowley did his chant, he heard the dis- they heard the disembodied voice of Kronzon say, quote, from me come leprosy and pox and plague and cancer and cholera and the falling sickness. I will reach up to the knees of the most high and tear his phallus with my teeth. And I will bray his testicles in a mortar and make poison thereof to slay the sons of men. I once cucked a guy and that's what he yelled at me. And I said, oh yeah, well, I'm balls deep in your wife. Come get it. And you braid his testicles. <laughs> no, he said this to me. He's going to do this to me because he was mad. He was being cocked. He took a turn like he thought he was going to be into it, and he got oh, angry. Okay, got it. So I said, "All right, come get it." <laughs> got to dig twelve inches deep to find it, though, pal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck. Your wife's currently in heat. So good luck getting close to her. Heat. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I lost a testicle. That night. <laughs> Hijinks ensued, testicles were lost. You know, classic story. Eh, you only need one. Yeah. Although you lose credibility in the bull community when you only have one ball. Is that right? Yeah. You get a glass one, a fake one, no? Yeah, but, you know. She hurts her teeth when she's sucking on your nuts. <laughs> well, that's her problem, not mine. <laughs> Sorry. It ain't your problem, right? <laughs> that whole side of my ball. It ain't nothing for you to worry about. The ball sack is now just gold, like a golden tooth. <laughs> You know when you're getting in, like when you go down, like you know what you're getting into. <laughs> Don't bite. Also, watch your fillings. <laughs> Ooh, uh, deter- deter- deteriorated rapidly. This whole episode is quickly going to the rails. manifested itself inside the triangle with Crowley sitting silently before him. At first, Kronzon manifested as a woman Newberg had dated in college and started mocking him. Crowley had told Newberg not to speak to the demon, but he couldn't resist and started arguing back. I think we have some uh, audio of that. Okay. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. Pee Wee Herman. Jesus. He's having a great time with that. Look, your yapping ex girlfriend starts. Arguing with you got to argue back, right? Yeah. Even if it's Karanzan uh, manifesting itself. Is it Big Adventure where he's doing the fucking dance? <laughs> <laughs> is that? Is it? He's like takes a step forward and <laughs> the dance is fantastic. Yeah. Point his fucking fingers in front of him, <laughs> then behind him. <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I'm I'm big P. Herman. <laughs> Apparently so. Waited 9,000 episodes to tell us. <laughs> From my understanding, Newberg arguing is what gave Karanzan 
the power to gradually break the triangle in the sand and attack. Kronzon wrestled Newberg to the ground. Shot the half on him. <laughs> Newberg struggling with this demon that was in the form of, quote, a naked savage and was trying to tear his throat out with, quote, froth-covered fangs. <laughs> naked savage. It's like Mike at the sorority house at 3 a.m. after four four locos and a Marlboro Red. Wearing just just headgear. A single Marlboro Red. Also, you you know damn well it was camel lights. (laughs) Fucking Marlboro Reds. That's how you get cancer. I can't imagine you smoking. I mean, I never really smoked. Smoked, smoked. Went through a phase, or like, yeah, like in college, every now and then. And I think I told you guys one spring break. I think I went through like a pack of Camel Lights over like the seven day period. Jeff Gordon's in the background in the room, like that shit will kill you. Put that down. <laughs> Probably take the left turns, pal. <laughs> so I, I put him down. What are you supposed to do? I didn't touch him again. Go put your banana cock in sorority slides. Put the Marlboro Reds down. <laughs> This is my dilemma. <laughs> Camel lights, though, for the record. Best cigarette out there. I do not disagree with that at all. What are they called now? You said you educated me. It's Camel Blue. Camel Blue. Yeah. Camel Blue wants to sponsor the show. We'll take back up smoking. <laughs> that, that I cannot do. Dave, you crave it more than any of us. <laughs> Pack of camel blue sitting right there. You're going to get drunk. You're going to look at them. No, I cannot do that. Mm, He says it would be very. Yeah, I'm still going. Still going strong. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You don't need any right now. All the anti vape listeners are very pleased. I'm sure. Yep. Good stuff. All right. So if they send us a pack, uh, you know, carton of camel blues, Dave and I'll take them. You don't have to worry about it. (laughs) We don't need to tempt you. Good deal. So Newberg's getting attacked, um, and he started calling out names of various gods. And using the dagger, he was able to push Kronzon back into the triangle. Kronzon started shape-shifting into various forms and arguing with Newberg, who had stuck to what Crowley told him to do. Don't argue with the demon. Kronzon began to fade, and Crowley wrote Babylon within the triangle, signaling that they had defeated Kronzon. So Kronzon is like a wife just looking for a fight. As long as you don't bicker back, it's going to go away. <laughs> right? God damn. Am I wrong? I mean, that's one analogy I guess you could make, Mike. Sure. Crowley considered this moment to be one of his most significant magical accomplishments. Like, this is all wrapped up in defeat. <laughs> Fucking Newberg is out here fighting this thing. Crowley's like, that is a great success for me. Fucking Newberg's coming over with his mouthpiece, his headgear half ripped off. Was getting attacked by a naked savage. Anyways, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, like, this is an important thing where he felt like he had to beat this Karanzan in order to advance up the, the whatever, however you want to phrase it, like the magical hierarchy or yeah. to gain more strength as a wizard or an occultist or a magician, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like it's an was important he, milestone for him. I, I don't remember if we touched on this last week. This is a legit question. Was he still like it, like part of the golden dawn with all of this? Like, is that where you're trying to like earn your stripes to like be higher up in that or not so much? Like he's kind of, away this from is, that now. he's away from that. This, that's After just like, him as like a personal, it's in his own thing now. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Did we close, we closed that out last week. Didn't we? 
wasn't there like like court issues, right? Then they go to court over that. Yeah, him and the uh, the guy that initiated him got on bad terms, and they started doing magic, like casting spirits on each other. That's from right. Various yeah. places. I believe they cover that. Shoo, shoo. Harry Potter four. <laughs> I think they cover that. I don't know. Karanzan doesn't seem nice. No, I don't want to fight Karanzan in a desert with no lube. That sounds horrible. You don't, want, up. you don't want to fight a naked savage with no loom. It's <laughs> trying to eat your not, throat. Not so much. <laughs> like from what if the winner got a pack of camel lights <laughs> and you were jonesing might be worth the fight then. <laughs> like, let's say that this is all drug fueled from the, the peyote and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And the smoking opium. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it would take much of those things to, for Newberg from his point of view to be completely, tripped out by this whole situation drawing circles and triangles and chanting newberg's a young man probably hasn't had the the vast experience with psychotic drugs that that crowley has so that makes sense yeah Crowley's like look there's a demon he's like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) even if i took if i smoked double from my vape if i took double Mm. the hits I would be kind of freaked out by all this. I'd be like, wait, wait, what's happening? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carranza, <laughs> leave me alone, Carranza. <laughs> I, you know, this stuff's cool, but I think that's what a well, lot of this is, a drug haze kind of thing. Yeah, take where, some peyote. I'm leaning. Do a peyote and see who you're fighting. Yeah, sure. You're going to be fighting spiders all over your house, Dave. No, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need hallucinogenics. Crowley and Newberg returned to London in 1910, and Crowley found that he was being sued for publishing Golden Dawn secrets in his book, The Equinox. There you go, Mike. Uh, Asked and answered. uh, But the court ruled in favor of Crowley. This court case was widely reported on, and Crowley ate up the attention. The media was labeling him as a Satanist and as someone who was in favor of human sacrifice, which... He was neither. We talked about last week. He was not a Satanist, but he just rolled with it. He's like, eh, <laughs> talking about me. Well, one of the the biggest reason was that uh, it was the publicity was bringing in people to Crowley's magic order so he could teach people because he needed money still. Right. That that inheritance was running out. But imagine being born rich and you have to like you lose all your money you have to go get an actual job. That would literally be the worst thing. Awful. That would be the worst thing. I'd rather bust my ass the first 50 years mm-hmm. and then get to the good stuff. Then good reverse, life. like live the good life. Can you imagine? And then having to go work when you're older because you ran out of money. Oh, that's awful. I don't like that thought. Mm-mm. <laughs> that's why we're working for the big times, right? That's right. In 1912, Crowley published The Book of Lies. As with all this stuff, it's very confusing um, without having an extensive knowledge of other Thelemic books. I'm sorry, it was already published a long time ago. It's called The Bible. <laughs> Ouch. This book does contain the mass of the Phoenix ritual that has some controversy around it. So with this ritual, first, uh, it's where the cake of light is used which was that biscuit we talked about in part one that's made with menstrual blood or a mixture of semen and vaginal fluid. Second, you have to make a cut on your chest to draw blood. P 
people defending the ritual say that you just have to make a scratch deep enough to get a single drop of blood. But based on everything that I've read and the stuff we just talked about with Newberg and whipping him and stuff, I would assume Crowley meant you needed to cut yourself pretty good. Along those lines, did any listeners make or bake any cum cake or period pie this week? If you did, uh, please mail a sample to Mike Namapod. He's going to be doing a taste test and he'd like to see what you came up with. Throw that right away. (laughs) He's pretty, he's pretty hungry. So send a big sample. If I want your semen, if I want your blood, I'll come get it myself. Thank you. In the book of lies, Crowley kind of piggybacked some of the ideas from another magical order called Ordo Templi Orientis ran by a guy named Theodore Ruse. Ruse was pissed, but Crowley convinced him that it was all just a coincidence, which resulted in the two of them becoming friends. I'm a scoozy, I'm a scoozy. <laughs> Crowley even managed to get himself into the OTO to the degree that he was making money off their yearly membership fees and rewrote some of their rituals, mixing in a little bit of Thelema. Elster Crowley is quite the... Uh, charismatic guy when it comes to convincing people it seems like it yeah yeah i agree almost like a cult leader (laughs) he could have gone it he seems like he could have gone that route but he didn't he probably would have been better off both you know financially that's true if you don't want that route i mean really he only had newberg fuck newberg had no money god damn all he was good for was fighting ghost demons and getting whipped look he convinced newberg to go to algeria with him and fuck him in the desert you know in yeah. the sand and, and fight demons so, i mean yeah. we're going on a very important <laughs> someplace very hot someplace very dry it's pretty and there you will penetrate me he's very- are you in oh i'm in sorry go i say he's very persuasive apparently <laughs> That Sorry, was my audition your, for the role of Alistair. Your pauses were, were throwing me there. I kept yeah. talking. Dramatic about effect. I apologize. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I was making up as I go. It wasn't like pre-planned. Clearly. In 1914, Crowley and Newberg moved to an apartment in Paris where they performed a six-week ritual called the Paris Working Ritual. I couldn't find any specific stories about what was all in this, Besides that it included a lot of sex magic to invoke the gods of Mercury and Jupiter. Yeah, he just wanted to fuck. (laughs) It's called Let's Go to Paris and Fuck. (laughs) Well, who wouldn't want to do that, right? (laughs) Of course. I mean, if that's all this is, if you just want to fuck, doesn't it make it a lot more exciting to do it to summon as a ritual sure yeah. does absolutely like this all sounds does it is that what people like yes i mean i think that'd be fucking cool i mean i hear him calling out god all the time but i didn't know it was like a ritual thing it was a joke, I mean, the, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of Damn. doing some peyote and and uh banging to invoke some gods right some gods of mercury and jupiter sounds pretty fun the gods manifest themselves a lot easier if you're smoking opium or doing peyote, for sure. Exactly. All right, count me in. Sign me up for the next <laughs> peyote gangbang. <laughs> After this was over, Newberg started to distance himself from Crowley. Crowley got upset by this and cursed Newberg with a spell linked to Pan, uh, a god resembling a goat that started in ancient Greek mythology. 
but eventually made its way through history to Christianity with historians making the argument that the horned and goat-like appearance of Satan comes from Pan. I was going to put in like a little more on Pan, but then I was like, this is a uh, Pan's his story. own, his own episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and Christianity stole all that stuff from pagans and everywhere else. So none of this yeah. stuff's original. Watch it, pal. Well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All their holidays and, and mythology and all that stuff was stolen. It's true. Read up all about it, Mike. Nah, I'll take your word. <laughs> I listen to Bible Babble. I'm informed. Like Christmas, for example. Oh, here we go. <laughs> when they were trying to. You should say this for Bible Babble, I think. We could. But I mean, when they were trying to get the Romans to convert to Christianity, the Roman god Mithra, his birthday was December 25th. And they said, well, come on over and you can be Christians, but you can keep your Mithra holiday on December 25th. And that's eventually how Christmas came about. Oh, well, oh, Mithra was born on December 25th. Well, guess what? So was Jesus. Ian, if you didn't know, two people can't be born on the same day. <laughs> is, that what, is that what happened there? I think that's what happened. Yeah. And then, you know, they co-opted Mithra's birthday and that's where Christmas came from. <laughs> so that's the history of Christmas. As told by your pal Dave. True story. <laughs> true story. That's absolutely I, true. I, I know. I'm just busting chops here. But I can't wait for your uh, December episode. The, the series finale series of Bible finale Babble. This year. In December. Released on Christmas Day. You're going to tell the, the in, all the stories <laughs> of Christmas. Absolutely. We're going to cover all of it. I can't wait. I know. No one can. <laughs> According to the stories, Newberg lived in fear of Crowley most of his life. And there was an instance that someone, probably being an asshole, told Newberg that he looked like a goat, to which Newberg said, quote, I don't look like Tom Brady. <laughs> I was one. A goat was my curse. Damn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> at this point in 1914, Crowley was pretty much living a month to month existence. He had run out of his inheritance and was surviving off of memberships to his order and his cut of OTO memberships. In May, Crowley sold his mansion in Scotland and then in July went mountain climbing in the Swiss Alps. While he was mountain climbing, World War I broke out and by October 1914, he was sailing to New York City. Once he got to New York, Crowley lived in a hotel and wrote for Vanity Fair doing astrology pieces. He also kept doing sex magic rituals through masturbation, female sex workers, and male clients of a Turkish bathhouse. I don't know. The guy seems to be having a time of his life. Except for the living now month to month. I mean, except for the monetary aspect. But, but he's still traveling and doing traveling all, all over the world yeah. and just fucking which seems to be what he oh, I don't wants to do. Right? I don't disagree. Yeah. He's having a good time. So I have a little, can I insert a little story here? Sure. So we're talking about his place in uh, Scotland. It's the Bullskin house. Jimmy page from Led Zeppelin bought that house in 1970. Was this the house that he had like on, uh, like Loch, the Loch Ness. The, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I was looking into this a little bit and there's an interesting story. So Jimmy page bought it in 1970. He hired this guy named Malcolm Dent. To run the house for him because, you know, Jimmy Page is on tour with Zeppelin doing whatever. Dent says he experienced the most terrifying night of his life at Bullskin. He awoke one night to hear what sounded like a wild animal snorting and banging outside his bedroom door. 
It went on for some time. It was not until morning that Dent dared open the door. There was nothing there. He added, quote, whatever was there was pure evil. Another friend who stayed at Bullskin awoke one night claiming that she had been attacked by, quote, some kind of devil. Other occurrences, such as chairs switching places, doors slamming open and closed for no reason, and carpets and rugs rolling up inexplicably, failed to deter Dent from staying. So, some weird shit going on at that place. We're going to talk about it later. I And we said it last week. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle here. I think yeah there's there's drugs there's a whole bunch of fucking and i think that was it was half that is the motivation mm-hmm. you know motivation is half that half actually doing magic and trying to will things jimmy page saw the house eventually yeah i like burned down a couple of years ago there's a whole interesting story to it but i mean i was you know 25 years after crowley died like what's going on at that place are people just manifesting what they want to see there? I don't know, but it, I, I thought it was interesting. Very interesting. Some r- residual stuff. Yeah. Hanging behind. Exactly. Jimmy Page was in all that shit. He owned, like, I think a bunch of artifacts that Crowley used to have and stuff. Like, he was a big Crowley guy. Jimmy really? Page, yeah. Big occult guy. Perhaps a show on him one day. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Around this time, Crowley claimed to be Irish and a supporter of Irish independence from Great Britain. And Crowley began to show support for Germany in their war against Britain. He became involved in New York's pro-German movement. And in January 1915, a German spy hired him as a writer for his propagandist paper, The Fatherland, which was dedicated to keeping the U.S. neutral in this conflict. In later years, Crowley was seen as a traitor to Britain for this, but in reality, Crowley was a double agent working for the British intelligence services to infiltrate and undermine Germany's operation in New York. This is a whole bonus episode in and of itself, but the real intention was for Crowley to make the German lobby seem ridiculous in the eyes of the American public. It has been argued that he encouraged the German Navy to destroy a UK ship, telling them that it would make sure the US stayed out of the war, while in reality hoping it would bring the US into the war on Britain's side. This guy just gets more and more interesting. That's unbelievable. That's uh, Alistair Crowley is responsible for the sinking of the Lusitania. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what we've just confirmed, right? I think that's what we're suggesting. That's what uh, is out there. Goddamn. This story literally has everything. (laughs) Demons, double agents. He's one of the most interesting people I've ever, you know, talked about. Hands down. And we can't even say his fucking name right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Over the next couple years, Alistair bounced around from city to city and country to country, finding numerous scarlet women to help him with his rituals. But before we move forward into the 1920s with the Abbey of Flemma, I want to get into, uh, I want to talk about lamb. Which might be the most interesting thing of this whole story. Yeah, I think so. Around 1917 or 1918, Crowley began doing rituals called the Amelantra working. How it has been told or interpreted is that these rituals were done by Crowley to purposefully open a window into other dimensions, allowing whatever is in those other dimensions to slip through. What appeared to Crowley out of this window was a lamb. 
Crowley drew lamb and lamb sure looks like what we know as grays, just your standard alien. According to Crowley, lamb told him, quote, they call us angels and demons today, but tomorrow they will call us something else. They sure do look like grays. Fuck yeah, lamb looks like a gray. Mm-hmm. Who yep, was the I first agree. person to see a gray? Betty and Barney Hill would have been the first, but yeah, they we, weren't. They, they were the first ones to describe it. Yeah. As we know of them. Do we think that they were like Crowley aficionados where they would have seen this drawing? Because I don't think so. And it's, when were they? Because he what, didn't what? even draw this for uh, in any of his literature. He he wrote a foreword or something along those lines for one of Madame Blavatsky's mm-hmm. last books. And no one knows why he did this, but he brought up Lamb in that for no reason and drew that mm. that's where the picture of lamb comes from i don't know i mean yeah i guess betty and barney hill could have been into it's some, possible yeah it's the it's possible it's, um, it's pretty close what year did betty and barney hill happen 62 62 i think yeah. do we think he was just doing a self-portrait <laughs> <laughs> it could be possible too that he was on, you know, you know homie had a big forehead. If that's what he looked like to in the mirror when he was doing peyote, sure. Yeah. Still very interesting. Mm-hmm. If you take it just at face value, you know, yeah. what he said he was doing, what came out, what Lamb said, it's would lead you to believe mm-hmm. an alien from another dimension. What we know is a grace. He talked to one. Ian, question. If I could open up a portal to another dimension in that wall right there, mm-hmm. but with no guarantee what would come out of it, what would happen, you know, anything. I think you already tried, pal. I see the hole you should put up. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> what, would you would you have me open that portal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Question. Can I not show up that night? Answer. Yes. Fuck yeah question can i put a ring of salt around me something answer of course you know what you could do (laughs) as you enter that portal eat a gargantuan it's so much salt you're fine fine. (laughs) so i can have my 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 barrier can we tie a rope to his waist so if we needed to pull him back am i just am i actually going into that dimension or am i just standing there seeing what comes out we're just gonna open it okay so yeah if i can have my ring of salt no guarantees what's coming out what's going in what's gonna happen we're just gonna open the portal to the other dimension fuck that i i am also yes on that one i would do (laughs) i will vote a no on that one (laughs) i spent so much time reading about this stuff might as well see see what it's all about i get that I've spent zero time reading about it, so I don't even know. <laughs> what if you like you just like I picture like the Wizard of Oz, like the tornado, just things going around. There's like a witch. You see like Alistair Crowley go by. You see a fucking couple of That's right. <laughs> like you just see all this shit just going by. Well, the, that's in my mind, what I think. This this window, it's there's arguments out there that people have made that if this is real, he opened everything up. Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, Mm. Mothman, everything that slips through 
from demen- different dimensions, those window areas that John Keel talked about. As a result of him. As a result of Crowley doing this mm. and talking to Lamb. That is an interesting angle I had not considered. A lot of the... Do a, do, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Do a lot of those groups, like the Bigfoot groups, you know, maybe alien groups, maybe not MUFON or NICAP or anything, do any of them credit him or get into him with their beliefs or not so much? I mean, there's people, yeah. I think your hardcore Bigfoot people don't want anything to do with that kind of thing. Yeah, because that would make them look ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, well, Alistair, what? <laughs> Even some even really hardcore alien people don't some of them don't want to mm. talk about that kind of stuff that it's interdimensional oh. or that something occult like could uh, it's not really it's their definition of what an alien is right yeah, or UFO is this is what I lean towards this kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah. that's why I asked the question I think the ancient alien stuff is kind of a lot of that's pretty silly. And I think it actually takes away credit from civilizations and stuff when you just say sure, that aliens sure. did it. But I think there is probably a case to be made for angels and demons. Some things, accounts of things coming out of the sky. There might be a case, you know, made with that kind of stuff. Are you aware Tom Hanks was in a movie called Angels and Demons? No. Is that like the Da Vinci Code stuff? It's the second Da Vinci Code. Oh, okay. Quite ridiculous. I don't really know I what those movies are about. The Tom Hanks Dungeons and Dragons movies more believable <laughs> than the Angels and Demons movie. <laughs> I have not seen the Dungeons and Dragons one. That's where he, yeah. like, no, I, we, we've discussed. Yeah, the D and yeah. D scare in the mid eighties. Oh. Like, oh, I lost my mind. I'm stuck <laughs> in a. I'm trapped. My son's trapped in a D and D world. Don't play Dungeons and Dragons. What was the? Would you say the Da Vinci Code? Yeah, that was. Eh. I liked Angels and Demons. That one was pretty good. Don't religious people uh, not like the Da Vinci Code? I don't think they like any of them. Uh, Doesn't it like go against the Bible or something? Or no, I don't know. I don't really know what they're about. That uh, I don't remember the Da Vinci Code taught like there was like some kind of a fair like like Jesus had descendants, right? Like wasn't that what it was? Like Jesus and yeah, Mary or like Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, they had descendants. They, yeah, they had descendants. It's apostasy, right? Nobody wants to hear that. No, right? they don't like that. Dude, that should be your favorite movie then. <laughs> It's it's just a little silly. It's Bible erotica. <laughs> so yeah, so that was and that one's okay. I liked Angels and Demons. I thought it was entertaining. The end. It's also like three hours long. It's very long. Did you read the book? Of course not. Okay. No, I did not. Read I did not books. either. No, I don't believe that. The, you also did not read the Harry Potter books, right? Just the movies. I did not. I tried a couple times. I'm just too lazy. It's too much. I know. You know. Your F. Mary Kill of movies and uh, no, it was just get rid of one, right? And you got rid of books over music and movies. You look, destroyed literature. I, look, I'm just too lazy. I would rather watch it now. I'm sorry. I wish R.L. Stein walked in here right now and snatched you across <laughs> the face. But that's why I think the Book of Enoch is so interesting in this too, because the Book of Enoch brings up the angel-human hybrids and the Nephilim and things like that. Yeah, super cool stuff. There's a lot of the what do they call them like the apocryphal Bible books that never made it into the right the actual Bible. Maybe they told a whole different story that the uh, powers that be didn't like. What if Jesus was an alien? What if he was? That'd be super cool. <laughs> that can't be cool. <laughs> Shaking his head, <laughs> <laughs> like he was lizard Jesus or something from uh, like he's a reptilian. Reptilian Jesus. That's even better. 
I bet you David Icke has linked it back to Jesus at one point or another. (laughs) Of course he has. In 1920, Crowley moved to Sicily, where he established the Abbey of Thelema as his headquarters, and members started showing up. Not long after this, Crowley was prescribed heroin for asthma, and spoiler, he became addicted almost immediately. I heard heroin tends to do that. (laughs) Right? I never knew that. First couple times, first time, a yeah. <laughs> couple times. Like, this is like seeing God. I'm going to do this again and again and again. Little known fact, Mike shoots up smack every day. It still won't <laughs> ever do a weed because it scares the shit out of him. Not addicted. I stop any time. <laughs> it's a hobby. It's not addictive. I do it every day. <laughs> well, some people do coffee. I do a heroin. When he got addicted to heroin, this place turned into a fucking shithole. Like there were straight dogs running through it and stuff. Like it, it was not great. Fast forward three years. In 1923, a young Thelemite named Raul Loveday moved to the Abbey with his wife, Betty May. Loveday was devoted to Crowley, but his wife hated him and life at the commune. During a ritual, Loveday was made to drink blood of a sacrificed cat, and they were required to cut themselves with razors every time they used the pronoun I. Loveday got sick from drinking this cat blood and died. I would assume that this cat was extremely unhealthy. I mean, it's a straight fucking cat. They're straight dogs. Rabies. So gross. Awful. This is where Crowley earned the nickname from the press, the wickedest man in the world. Uh, That guy's wife, Betty May, she went to the press with her story of what had happened to her husband. This resulted in Alistair being kicked out of Italy and the Abbey closing. Not very sanitary. Like, did Crowley have the gonorrhea and the syphilis during all this time? Like, I think we remember from last week that... He wasn't big on the Jimmy hats and uh, he, was, he, was, he was catching the STDs all the time. Yeah. I don't think that there was much protection oh, going on with any of this because you know, like Newberg's probably, you know, going crazy. He's out and hallucinating from syphilis out in the desert. Somewhere. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, throughout his story, we'll talk about it in a bit here, like just how extensive this this really is. But he's he's gotten multiple people pregnant throughout life. Uh, some of them gave successfully gave birth to kids of his. Mm. Uh, some just had miscarriages, you know. But so no, no Jimmy hats then. N- no, okay. lots of uh, <laughs> lots of STDs and yeah. Not Although what kind of Jimmy clean. hats did they have a hundred years ago? How many times can you say Jimmy Hat one episode? <laughs> Did they even have them that long ago? I think so. We talked about like Jack the oh. Ripper condoms back in those days. I, I don't think. believe in condoms. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't know the history. You've never won one in your life. I don't right? even know what they are. wouldn't even know how to open a package. <laughs> like most men, though, I guess. Really. <laughs> so I need a blue chew sometimes, though, also. For those moments when you struggle to open a condom package, for those of you that use them. <laughs> From 1923 to the start of World War II, Crowley traveled as he did his whole life. He had more scarlet women and did a whole bunch of sex magic. Yeah, I bet he did. (laughs) He was able to kick heroin um, and offered his services to the Navy intelligence like he did 
in World War I, but he was turned down. Not long after this, his asthma got worse, and he again got hooked on heroin. He even got married again during this period. It seems like it was like a marriage of convenience, but nothing to go too deep into. But yeah. Why do you mean convenience? Like like monetary? Uh, it seemed like an immigration thing, so she could accompany mm-hmm. him somewhere from what I was reading. Was she Nicaraguan, maybe? Does that sound yeah. like I mean, I can't go into everything because, you know, we'd be here all week, but interesting. I don't know. On December 1st, 1947, Crowley died at Netherwood Boarding House in Sussex of chronic bronchitis and complications from his asthma at age 72. His funeral was held at a Brighton crematorium on December 5th with about a dozen people attending. There were excerpts from the Book of Law and a hymn to Pan read, and the funeral generated a bunch of press controversy. Uh, the newspapers were running stories calling it a black mass. His body was cremated, and the ashes were sent to OTO successor Carl Germer in the U.S., who buried them in his garden in Hampton, New Jersey. Who knew Crowley was buried in New Jersey? I yeah. didn't know that. That's fucking wild, right? It's a nice little tourist stop, no? Yeah, right. And like that is a whole, a whole sub thing of information you could talk about is Carl Germer becoming the successor to the OTO. And there's a guy behind Carl Germer that if something happened to him, then this, mm. you know, this other guy would get it. All in all, Crowley wrote a little over a hundred writings, which were considered uh, things that should be taught to members of his order. He wrote over 50 books on magic and Thelema and 19 poetry books. This two-part series is literally just scratching the surface of Thelema and Aleister Crowley's version of magic. You could dedicate a solid chunk of your life to trying to understand this and master it. Oh, yeah, for sure. There were parts of his life that you go, you start to go down and it just leads to more and more of a rabbit hole you know you could do it you could go down it forever he's one of the most interesting people we've ever talked about in my opinion and just the amount of people that he came in contact in his life that are like these these stepping stones of how you get through the story mm-hmm. there's hundreds of names of different people that are, mm-hmm. are, are part of the story one question I do have, where did he do a lot of photo shoots? Like, where do we get all the cool pictures of him and all his different garb and like the one in the Golden Dawn hat? Like, there's such cool pictures of this dude. I think that has to do with uh, having that $7 million. Just photo shoots whenever he wanted. <laughs> yeah. His own personal photographer. Being able to take pictures yeah. like that whenever. Because they are really cool. Yeah, there's some awesome pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Some not so great because one's... I believe just a tiger skin or something he's wearing. Yeah. Where you can make out the tiger's head. Like, I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's not great. He, I mean, the big game hunting for him in India, yeah, it right. wasn't like a, just a, a one and done. Like it was a long, uh, a long trip of that. It was a different time. I mean, big game hunting was a, yeah. a thing. I guess it's still a thing, but maybe more frowned upon. I don't know. So that's Aleister Crowley. Very interesting. I agree. Very. I mean, you uh, could spend a lifetime, like you said, studying the sky. And yeah, my brain was just 
all over the place reading about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it was last night. I'm like, I'm going to take a shower and just kind of not think about this for a minute, <laughs> trying to read a lot of this stuff and then just put it into a condensed podcast form that makes sense even to me to read. Cause the first one, I mean, we, I don't think we broke kayfabe on it, but we redid the first episode. I rewrote the outline because as I was reading it, I'm like, I'm, this is mind numbing. Didn't come out exactly how it should have. Right. So yeah. Needed redone. So, so, well, so Dave, you made mention of maybe just a guy who wanted to have a lot of sex. Final thoughts on Alistair Crowley. I think that was probably the guiding, uh, I don't know the guiding principle behind all of this. Maybe I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to to get into motives here. Like all the the magic stuff's really cool. Do you think he believes in all that? I don't know. I think he wanted to believe, but I think a lot of it was drug fueled fucking. Like I said before, <laughs> I don't I, know. Like was it was was uh, Lobster Newberg actually wrestling with a demon out in the Algerian desert? I don't know. I mean, that's a tough sell. Well, for I don't me. think Lobster was, but his brother I, was. <laughs> Mr. Newberg was he? Yeah. You know, Lobster was at home <laughs> with the chorizo, the sausage demon. Well, now we're talking. I don't know. See, that's that's the problem that I have with uh, with trying to figure out like how much of this do I believe? How much? Like, I yeah. don't think that these guys were just running around in the desert just pretending to do stuff or i don't think they were lying about it either to make up you know to get money or anything because newberg just i, I fucked off to whatever he was doing the rest of his life like, i want to believe but how much of it was uh hallucinations and right. whatever else i don't know <laughs> like if it was hallucinations could you imagine being like a just an onlooker of this <laughs> crowley sitting in a in a triangle Newberg's New- wrestling by himself yeah, and the- with a fucking magical dagger. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, look, I want to believe. So you show me proof, but the, the lamb I, thing I is the most interesting part. I of, agree. Yeah. Of the Crowley thing. Cause it really, I, anybody look it up. L a M it's uh it looks like a fucking gray to me. Exactly. So I don't know. I'm torn. I was big fan of Alistair Crowley. I think it's, the truth is somewhere in the middle and yeah, i think that there's usually uh, is i think that there's i think there's something to that that will you know in your intentions and, and this is just like one like scratching the surface of one type of magic there's chaos magic mm-hmm. there's folk magic there's ceremonial magic there's so this is just alistair crowley's brand and it involved a lot of fucking <laughs> <laughs> which you know is super fun i'm not against yeah i'm all for it do what thou will i fucking love it's one of my favorite things so big fan so it's a thumbs up for alistair crowley i am a thumbs no up what for alistair into, crowley it's a thumbs up for the guy yeah i mean he has some pro there's some problematic things with him there's some his his confessions book has some very questionable racial slurs in them you know really uh i guess maybe some of that's the time period i don't know but I think a lot of that's probably the time period. So, yeah, yeah, not condoning that, obviously, but the underlying message, I guess, to do what thou wilt. And uh, depends on how far you want to take that. Sure. There's some people that, want to, that think that that should be taken just I, all the way. Yeah. But, again, I don't think you should eat me if you want to, but, you yeah. know, as long as you don't invade my space, I'm whatever you want to do is <laughs> fine with me. 
All right, we got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to new patrons, Amy Tyvan, Tori Nelson, Brittany Thompson, Andrea Hadlock, Gerard Davies, Christy Petrillo Solo, Priscilla Rodriguez, Angela Koch, Robert Ojeda, Dave Fulton, Rania Ash, The Real Casey Anthony, Selena, Teresa Kearney, Tara Harrison, Stacy Elms, Bree Jakowski, Emmanuel Strickland, Jana Wilkins, Mallory Rubo, Lauren Replogo, Elliot, Stephanie DePiso, Willie Will Bryant, Rexley Nine, Alyssa, Chris Hickman, Cheyenne Bennett, Dylan Ellis, Erica Kelly, Chelsea Van Dyke, and Cyril Lafive. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Carrie Barra and Finna1313. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Dave, you got anything? I would just like to say that <laughs> since the real case for Anthony's a patron now, give me, this is Larry. Give me a call. I'm still trying to see your breather. <laughs> I'm down in hell, so you gotta call me down there. So the offer still stands. Million dollars to show <laughs> your beaver. God damn, pal. A listener emailed us about this. Did you see it? Uh. Yeah, so I guess uh, back in the day, like maybe back in Alistair Crowley's type day, uh, if you had crabs, you obviously have to shave I everything did, I off. I did see this, you're yeah, right. Yeah. So you have to shave everything off. Well, if you have to, so if you're a sex worker and you have, if you're shaved, then everyone's like, oh, you're, you're know, nine, right? You're, you're dirty. Like you have stuff. So what women would do was get uh beaver fur and like make a wig so they could still get business. A Merkin. See that? The Fake m- beaver hair. The more, you know. <laughs> so thank you listener for that. Then. And that's how the term then beaver, where came, beaver came from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a sexy word, beaver. I just say beaver. Oh boy. <laughs> Building a dam for my penis, beaver. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks. You see that 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 show? Uh, what's that show called? Vinyl that Olivia Wilde was in. She had to wear, a, she wore a merkin because she was naked. In that. I think you've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. She had a beaver. So she had to wear a merkin because it was the 70s. And, okay. No, you know, no one's got a street. <laughs> she didn't shave beaver in her 70s. She didn't go method. And, you know, Come she, on. She put the merkin on. But uh, good sh- it was a good show. It was a one and done season. Not my act. I thought it was good. Vinyl. All right. Yeah. What's that on nowadays? I don't know. I, yeah, Showtime, HBO. I forget where it was on. but Okay. One and done canceled. It happens. Livy Wild looked good. I approve her. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake beaver. Merkin. I feel bad for people that have looked forward to like Aleister Crowley episodes. And then this, this part two was just kind of a shit show. I had a good time though. I don't think so. That was great. Also shout out to listener Tyler. that sent the, uh, a PDF copy of the goblin universe. Appreciate it. Ian's going to be busy next week. Yeah. I smoke my weed and breeding a goblin. <laughs> <universe>. <laughs> we 
Just me sitting there all ripped <laughs> on my laptop reading it. There you go. That's how shit goes down. Everything is goblins. It's just how you perceive it. Mm. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod, Patreon.com, Necronomapod, or Patreon.com slash Necronomapod, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod. Thank you very much. We appreciate you guys listening. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>